The Characters of Christmas podcast with Dan Darling is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Well, welcome to another episode of the Characters of Christmas podcast series. I'm Dan Darling. Glad to be here again with you for another episode. Well, I don't know about you, but when I think of Christmas, particularly Christmas in church, um, I always immediately think of the wise men. Uh, I've grown up in church, been going to church my whole life, and grew up with Christmas pageants. Now, I imagine this year, in the middle of a pandemic, some of our Christmas productions are going to be a lot more subdued, if we have them at all, but uh, the, the wise men are an enduring feature of Christmas, right? When I was a kid, growing up at the church that we grew up uh, in, in Chicago area, we did a really, really big community-wide Christmas pageant that went on for several nights over a couple of weeks. I mean, the community would come out, everybody would come. And I think of um, a guy at our church named Dave who would sit atop this giant camel, like we brought in a real camel. They would play Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, and he would come in at that moment. That's what I think of when I think of uh, Christmas pageants and Christmas and wise men. But the wise men are are, a real feature of the story as told in the book of Matthew. Now, obviously, we know, many people know, if you're a Bible scholar or anything, that really the wise men were not there when Jesus was born. Um, This is pretty clear that he was already an infant child by the time they had followed the star and uh, made their way to Jerusalem first and then made their way to uh, see Jesus. We know that. You don't have to remind everybody of that. Uh, You don't have to correct your nativity sets. It's really okay. But this is really true. Who are these wise men? Well, there's a lot of speculation as to where they came from. We think they came from the east. Uh, it seems like that, uh, what tradition tells us. Uh, the hymn, We Three Kings from Orient Are, uh, gives us both the direction, the east, and the three. Uh, but uh, neither of those are really in the scripture, but it kind of gives us a framework. I think we get the three from the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, but who were these? Uh, a lot of folks speculate. They're probably noblemen, men of high renown and stature. Uh, men of the sciences, men of philosophy uh, from uh, a Persian kingdom, perhaps. Uh, Some have speculated that perhaps they were aware of the Jewish prophecies and of the star and were thinking about it because perhaps Daniel and his band of wise men in Persia had, you know, taught a generation and then another generation, and perhaps that was passed down through the generations. We don't know that, but it is interesting how much of a similarity and tie they are to the wise men in the book of Daniel. What we do know is that they were earnestly seeking the truth. They were looking to the stars. Now, we need to pause and say, Scripture really doesn't encourage us to look to the stars for our guidance, right? There's a whole field of astrology. People kind of see what their horoscope is and kind of figure out their future. Um, The Christian gospel, the scriptures have a much better and true way of knowing who we are and what our purpose is and what our future is. However, they were earnestly searching. And this is an example of 
God meeting people in their church and leading them to the truth. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Listeners, if you're a parent, then we've got a show for you. We know that parenting is not for the faint at heart. It can be hard to connect with your child throughout the many stages of their life. That's why Rabrina Reddle, host of Mama Take Heart, is back this fall. Wife, mom, writer, podcast host, coffee lover, and military veteran, Rabrina has a passion to help you be an influential voice in your daughter's life. In this show, she gives listeners the tools they need to love and lead well in their child's formative years. Whether you're looking for ways to intentionally connect or to have hard conversations, you can find the Mama Take Heart podcast on lifeaudio.com or in your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. What I find fascinating about the story of the, the Magi of the wise men is this. What God uses, the tools of creation in order to bring people to the truth. Think about this. Um, he uses the cosmos, a star. He employs angels to guide them, uh, to bring them to Jesus. And this tells us a lot about the heart of God, that God will use all the tools of creation in order to bring a seeking sinner home. Isn't that a wonderful truth. If you think back on your own testimony of how you came to Jesus, God used everything at his disposal to bring you to Jesus. The story has a connection to the Old Testament. Uh, There's an obscure story in the book of Numbers of uh, a prophet named Balaam and a talking donkey, if you're familiar with that. And God asks Balaam to deliver three blessings to his people. And one of those blessings, the final message contained these words. It's in Numbers chapter 24, verse 16. The oracle of him who hears the word of God and knows the knowledge of the most high, who sees the vision of the almighty falling down, down with his eyes uncovered. I see him, but not now I behold him, but not near a star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. So there is some kind of hint in the Old Testament that a star will come out of Jacob. Um, Now, some have speculated that perhaps this was just a coincidence, that maybe a comet was in the sky at the same time. There is some really good research that some folks have done to, to actually prove that there was some kind of phenomenon in the skies during that time that they can they can pinpoint to that. Uh, maybe it was a comet that led the wise men to Bethlehem. But there's no doubt that this was the same God 
who appeared as a pillar of fire and a cloud to his people, uh, opening up the heavens to point the lost to Jesus. Again, all of the creation is at God's disposal to tell his story. It reminds me of what King David says in, in Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Again, God is using everything at his disposal to bring people to him. Charles Spurgeon wrote this. and I just love what he says about the star leading the wise men to Jesus. He was born of lowly parents, laid in a manger, and wrapped in infant clothes. But the principalities and powers in the heavenly places are in motion. First, an angel descends to proclaim the advent of the newborn king. But the activity was not confined to the spirits above. For in the heavens above, the earth, something began to stir. A star is sent on behalf of all the stars, as if it were the envoy of all worlds to represent them before their king. This star was put into commission to await the Lord, to be his herald to men far away, and to be God's usher to conduct these wise men into Christ's presence. Man, I just, it gives me goosebumps to think of this moment when the star first appears to those seeking sages in the east. The the infant, and think about this, the infant son of God, helpless infant, reliant on his parents, is also at the same exact time creator of the heavens and the earth, who holds the universe in his hands and is directing the stars to draw people to himself. I mean, this shows us the awesome power of God and the awesome love of God for his people. And I just want to say, maybe this is a dreary day for you as you're listening to this podcast. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're not, you don't have all the Christmas feels this year. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you've been rejected. But know this, if you are in Christ... God has leveraged the entire universe to shout to you his message of love and draw you to himself, and you can rest in that. I want to also talk about these men. You know, we have that wonderful hymn that's one of my favorites, We Three Kings of Orient Are. Now, we don't really believe these wise men were kings, but they represent royalty and nobility. But I also think Matthew's making a larger point here. There are kings in this passage, and think about the contrast he's making, right? You have this wicked king, Herod, who we will talk about in a future podcast, who is jealous of the baby Jesus, who everybody in Jerusalem and Bethlehem fear. And then you have the infant king, who seems helpless. And yet, who really has the power here? It's not the king who's in an angry rage, jealous of this baby. It's this infant son who can even leverage the stars to bring people to himself. And then you have the image of of these kings with nobility and power and wealth, not coming to worship Herod, not coming to worship the earthly king, but coming to worship the heavenly king, that little infant. And I, I just think of that scene in my mind, of a knock on the door. And here are here are these noblemen. And, and in our minds, we imagine three kings, but there's probably a massive entourage. We know this because they, they, they stirred up trouble when they came to Jerusalem, when they came into town. It was such a big enough ruckus. Probably a massive entourage. Probably could be hundreds of people, maybe, accompanying these folks, this delegation from the east. And here they come, and they don't worship Herod. 
They don't pay homage to Herod. No, they come and look for this child, right? Probably a two-year-old child running around Mary and Joseph's home, knocking things over and doing what two-year-olds do. A child that to everybody around them just seems like another Hebrew baby, another Jewish baby. I mean, nobody's say, thinking and looking at that baby and say, "There's, there's power there." That's the son of God. No, they're they're scared of Herod. They're going about their business. But these men understood where the real power was, where the real authority was, who the real king was, and they come and they bow down and worship. Jesus, I I just think about what Mary and Joseph are thinking at this moment. Just another affirmation to them that this is God's son. This is the work of God to see this happen in their home. And I think what the wise men teach us here is a few things about worship. You know, as we prepare our hearts this Christmas, as we sit and we meditate on the coming of the son of God, this is a season for worship, right? Uh, and if this baby indeed is the son of God, if this child is the king of the universe, if this one who come and put on human flesh is the Messiah and the one who died and rose again and is at the right hand of the father, then the only response really is worship. They worshiped. They abandoned all pretense with their worship. Look, these are proud men. These are men of renown and wealth and stature. These were men who didn't go around making fools of themselves. These were not men who liked to be embarrassed. And yet they put all that aside and they bowed and they worshiped this child. This is what true worship is. It's understanding and recognizing that Jesus is the son of God and it's abandoning everything to worship. Do you have time and space in your heart to worship Jesus this Christmas? When you go to church, when you're singing the carols, when you're going to Christmas Eve service, when you're listening to music, uh, Christmas music, when you're reading the passages of Scripture, is your heart drawn to worship of Jesus? I, I hope it is. Christmas is an invitation to worship. I think we also learn here that worship provokes generosity. You see, they worshiped and then they gave. They worship and they gave. Now, there's a lot of speculation about what the gifts mean, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. Uh, Some have uh, speculated that they have a special meaning. Uh, Gregory the Great suggested that the gold symbolized wisdom, the frankincense symbolized prayer offered toward God, the myrrh, an offering of our bodies as a living sacrifice, like we read in Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, kind of a devotion of mind, soul, and body. Some others have suggested that perhaps the gold represents Jesus' kingship and the frankincense represents his deity, because frankincense was often used as an offering to God, and the myrrh, perhaps his humanity. You know, on this last gift, myrrh, it's interesting to note that myrrh was offered to Jesus as a kind of painkiller. As he agonized on the cross and and he refused it. It's also used as an embalming fluid we see in John 19 at his burial. So was this a foreshadowing of the suffering and death Jesus would endure for sinners? We don't know. We can't be dogmatic about the symbolism. But we know that these men brought meaningful and expensive gifts. Now one interesting and practical note. Joseph and Mary would have to actually flee to Egypt to escape Herod. And that would be a costly trip. 
right? Trips today cost money. If you plan your vacations or plan to have to go out of town suddenly, you have to get a flight somewhere, uh, that's extra costs you probably weren't anticipating. Well, this was the case with them. And many scholars feel that this these gifts may have financed that journey uh, into Egypt. This is God using human means, using um, surprising means to provide for for Jesus, to provide for his people. What a, what a great uh, lesson we see of faith and trust here. I want to focus a little bit too just on the scene here, the worship scene again, and revisit that a little bit. The very sight of these prestigious men dropping everything and offering their worship. It, it's a bundle of contradictions. Is it not the young child receiving the worship of royalty, the wealthy bowing before the impoverished? And yet this is the upside down nature of the kingdom of God. In that moment, the real power was not in the wealthy coffers of these rich rulers. It was not in the gilded halls of Herod's palace. It was in the infant God man standing before them. And so they bowed in, in reverent real worship. Jesus would later say in Matthew 19 that it's impossible for those of means to enter the kingdom of God. It's impossible for the wealthy to go enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus is saying this because money and power like that possessed by the wise men can often become obstacles and idols that blind us to our own vulnerabilities and need for saving faith. This is why Paul often says not many wise, not many noble are called. But Jesus would also say that with God, all things are possible. And here we see an image of wealthy, wise, powerful, privileged men coming to faith in Jesus. And how did they do it? They had the faith of a child. They came in humility. This is how we come to Jesus. We stoop and we bow. We don't come to Jesus with demands. We come, don't come to Jesus with our own righteousness, our own status, and our goodness. We come and we bow. And the truth is these wise men were not wise, were not rich, were not privileged when they bowed. They were just ordinary men. They were just regular people at that moment. And this is how rich people can enter the kingdom of God. The truth is, if you're listening to this podcast and you own an iPhone and you're driving a car, you may not think of yourself as rich. Um, but you are. But you know what? You can come to Jesus too if you bow in faith and recognize that this baby, this one who put on flesh, is your Savior and your Lord. Lastly, I want to just point out the fact that they, the wise men, as they made their journey back, heeded the voice of the angel who said, Do not tell Herod, go straight back. Uh, and they obeyed. One of the marks of true worship is not just generosity but obedience they obeyed the voice of the angel it also shows us that true and genuine faith and worship invites opposition not everybody was happy this delegation from the east would bow before Jesus um, but especially not Herod and it's an interesting contrast is it not that it's the outsiders not the people in Israel not the religious leaders and the scribes, not the king of Israel. They couldn't see what the wise men could see, that this is the Son of God. It shows us that God's kingdom is not just about insiders, but outsiders. That God is building a church with people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, and a kingdom 
made up of every nation, tribe, and tongue, and the wise men represent that. Thank you for joining me for another edition of the Characters of Christmas podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. The Characters of Christmas podcast is a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This Christmas season, we hope you'll also check out Dan's book, The Characters of Christmas, The Unlikely People Caught Up in the Story of Jesus. It's available for Moody Publishers on Amazon.com or wherever you buy your books. You can find more from Dan and all his latest books and podcasts by visiting his website, danieldarling.com. If you liked what you just listened to, would you take a second and tell your friends about us? And maybe also leave us a rating on your favorite podcast app. This podcast is produced by Kelly Givens and Stephen Sanders, with editorial oversight provided by me, Stephen McGarvey. To find more great Christian podcasts like this, check out the rest of our shows at lifeaudio.com. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.